Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the program today. And on the program today, we have our brother, Pastor Jonathan. How you doing, Jonathan? Doing fine, thank you. We've been praying for you, and our, hopefully our listeners have been praying for you. We're so thankful that you could be behind the mic with us today. Appreciate it so much. Uh, <laughs> It God God's has me in His hands, and um, the prayers of God's people are important to that too. Awesome. Well, <laughs> yesterday we really opened a can of worms, didn't we? Talking about the Lord's Supper, and uh, we're blaming you. So. You should. I, that's what I would do. That's <laughs> <Yeah. what. laughs> absolutely. Um, one of the questions that we got from our, our listeners is a question about how often should we take the Lord's Supper, and so. Yesterday, we kind of danced around that question as much as we could for 15 minutes. Does somebody kind of want to recap where we've been, and then we can go from there? Well, I wondered if it would just be helpful to just say what we just said off the air, on the air, and that might that's help private. our listeners. Oh, that's private. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but what we were talking about off the air just briefly was all of us in the room would say we would support weekly communion or monthly or every other month or four times a year or whatever – we don't think that that there is a you can practice it too infrequently. We don't think you can err by practicing it too frequently. I think right. we're all in agreement right. on that. And and yeah. and there are people that will tell you that well, it would become less meaningful if we did it every week. And that's that's a bad you know, argument. That's a bad argument. Does it become less right. meaningful if you only prayed w- once a month? Honey, or? I'm not going to kiss you every day because it's so less meaningful, meaningful when I come and embrace you in my arms. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's a that's a bad argument. We don't want to use that. Um, in fact, um, we are we are drawn to Christ uh, through this. Yeah. We are re- we are remembering his suffering for us. We are we have union with him. Yeah. In fact, we actually um, you know we haven't touched on this, but we also have communion in the body. We yeah. come together as a body of Christ to do that. Well, and that leads to another thing that really touches on the issue of frequency. Is that we could we could say, well, you can't it can't be too frequent, but in in a sense. Um, Let's let's also say communion is never to be a private thing. It is always for the whole people of God. Right. It's always to be accompanied with the with the teaching and preaching of the word. Right. Because word and sacrament go together. Exactly. And uh, so this is something that really rubs people the wrong way. Because I've had these conversations with people at our church. Yes. Where because we did a we recently did a teaching on the Lord's Supper and trying to just to kind of make our practices more biblical. And it, the question came up is, can we take the Lord's Supper at home with our families? Are you saying, Russ, Phil, Russ, Phil, <laughs> so I told Bob. you. Bob. <laughs> Phil, are you saying that we ought not to take Lord's Supper at home with our families? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. 
No, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go to anybody's house and, and police what they do in, in their spiritual life with their family, but I would certainly teach that, no, don't do that. The Lord's Supper is for when we are gathered together as a body, where there's the preaching of the word, um, where, uh, and, and the reason being, and people can, people can begin to say, well, and, and, well, and also, uh, now in our church, and, and people have different ways, there's, there's, traditional, there's a traditional phrase I'm going to throw out there that, that the list, listener may be familiar with, but I know my brothers here are, the traditional phrase is fencing the table. Right. And some people react immediately to that. Are you talking about putting a wall around the communion table? Are you talking about keeping people away from the table? Yeah, yeah, yes. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. There's a warning there in Scripture. Be- because the Apostle Paul gives us a warning. Mm-hmm. Because the table we, we fence the table out of love, not out of a, amen, not out of authority. Right. Yeah. Amen. And, and there's times, you know, to be as pastors, uh, we've all known that we've been asked, uh, you know, perhaps even during a wedding ceremony, would we provide the communion to the couple that's there? And going back to what Phil said, this is not a individual thing this is for the the church the whole church of, of God to participate where there's a there's a communion in the body itself you know we're all part of that body and then the other you know the response to that was well let's just give it to everyone out there well that doesn't work either either because everybody in that audience that gathered for that wedding are not in the body of Christ. Yeah. And and so that's where you fence the table. Can that's, I can I ground what you're saying real quick in scripture? So mm-hmm. in 1 Corinthians 11 is where we have like the the most fleshed out, you know, uh, instructions for how to practice the Lord's Supper. And five times, let me just read the verses. In verse 17, Paul says, "But in the following instructions, I do not command you because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. And then in verse 18, for in the first place, when you come together as a church, verse 20, when you come together, um, verse 33, so then my brothers, when you come together to eat, and then again in verse 34, if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. Now, Paul's making it very clear that this Lord's Supper practice in and of course, this is in the, the context, 1 Corinthians is all about instructing the church on how to do church. He's saying this practice, the Lord's Supper, is only when you come together as a church. And specifically, chapters 11 and 12 cannot be interpreted in any other context than the church setting. Yes. And, and also, in, you know, when we're talking about the, the church setting, we have to go back to 1 Corinthians 10, where Paul is uh, speaking, he says, the cup of blessing that we bless... Is it not participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of one bread. This is the, this is the church partaking of the one bread, uh, and, and yeah. that's, the, that's that communion in, in Christ. Sorry, I, I know I have a lot, of, I know I'm talking a lot, but one of the things I think why people my age, perhaps, they're coming into the church and, and they're like looking at the Lord's Supper and they're like, why can't I do this at home? And I think this is another sign of the radical individualism that we face in our age. Yeah. That, that people think, wow, yeah. 
how dare you tell me what I can and cannot do? Right. And it's like you're, you're just thinking about yourself. You're, you're, you're trying to reduce Christianity to just you and your walk with Christ. That's not what Christianity is. And, and we have membership in the body of Christ. We're all partakers of right. that right. body of Christ. And, and different churches have, have different ways um, of approaching what's called fencing the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in in for instance in my congregation you don't have you don't have to be a uh, in some current Christian congregations you have to be a member of that congregation or you will not be invited to the table um, and I respect that we we don't do that in, in the in my tradition but I certainly respect churches that denominations that that do that um, but for instance in my congregation we always say um, that all baptized believers are invited to the table. Right. And we would say the same thing. This is the Lord's table and it's not Dayspring Reformed Church's exactly. table. Exactly. It's that's the Lord's right. table. It's the Lord's table. And and we but we do in, encourage people. You know the Bible uh, talks about how we are to examine ourselves before that. And so Often, like even you know, since we celebrate uh, monthly communion, once a month communion, the week before, we will address a preparatory to the Lord's Supper, telling people that we in, intend to celebrate the Lord's Supper, Lord willing, the following Sunday. And so there are three areas which um, they're called to examine themselves. They're they're called to examine their heart to see whether they're they truly believe the promise of Jesus that, that you know they they trust in Him alone for their salvation. They're 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 called to uh, examine their conscience to see if, if they show a, a thankfulness to God and, and want to follow Him. They're to um, you know they they uh, examine their mind as well. Um, so in their con- in their in trusting in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation, examining uh, whether or not they they've sinned, play, you know, repenting of those things before they come to the Lord's table. There's there's an importance to do those things, and this is why we often you know people will ask, well, why can't our youngest children do that, or infants even? And we say, well, they are not capable of examining themselves in this way. That's the fence that's around the table. I'm going to just circle back just briefly to what Josh was saying earlier about why we don't um, practice communion within our own individual homes. I applaud um, the sentiment of so many where the Father is wanting to take um, the spiritual lead within the home and provide that um, instruction and care and and support and and leadership within um, spiritual matters within the home. However, that, that it should not be in competition or in conflict with the God-ordained authority of um, elders and deacons within the church. That at the end of the day, um, those children who are uh, underneath the care of their, their dads and moms are actually under greater authority in, in the church. And so in some ways, there's been a lot of... of, of men that have kind of unintentionally, I hope, um, undermine the authority of the church. And it's actually the authority of the church that is above them with regard to even their own children. And I know that's hard to hear, um, but at the end of the day, that's the organizational system that God has outlined in his word. And there just are concentric circles of authority. <clears throat> that's right. I mean, mm-hmm. 
no father has the right to give their 18 year old son or whatever, 16 year old son, a driver's license that comes from the authority of the state. And we, we don't balk at that. Um, but when it comes to the, the uh, authority of the church, I think our natural rebellious sinful hearts want to rebel against that type of authority. Yeah, and, and the office bearers are there for the spiritual care and protection of the flock. And in one of those areas is is the Lord's Supper because you can eat and drink judgment upon yourself. And our job as office bearers is to protect the flock from themselves. Right, right. right. And it, it, we do that because we love them. That's right. And we can't outsource that authority. An, ar- an argument that I've that it has been <laughs> an argument that has been given to me by somebody who wanted to do the Lord's Supper kind of outside of the structure the 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 authority structure of our church one time was to say to me well Phil don't you believe in the priesthood of all believers and are you making yourself some kind of a set apart priest that only you have the authority because in my, in in my church only a pastor only an ordained pastor can conduct the Lord's Supper an elder under under certain circumstances an elder can do it if if that elder has special training and permission from the session, our, our board of elders. Um, and my response to that is, of course, we believe in the priesthood of all believers, and we don't believe in that, that I have, because I'm an ordained pastor, I have some kind of special mojo. No, but, but this is the way we have decided uh, to, in, in the, the best we can discern from what Scripture shows us, the, that we want to honor the Lord's Supper uh, by making sure we're honoring the Lord and we honor His Word w- when we do it, mm-hmm. and so that's that's why we're careful about how it's done, when it's done, and and who conducts it. I think as we wrap up today, I think what's at stake in this conversation is I think when we practice the sacraments wrongly, we can help produce nominal Christians because yes. we're giving assurance to people who shouldn't have assurance or we're treating the gospel lightly when the sacraments are meant to hold the gospel up they're meant to display the lord jesus christ to believers right. to give them christ better mm-hmm. as you said earlier jonathan well brothers this has been the gospel for life we hope that uh well brothers and sisters we hope that we you will tune in to us next time and uh we'll see you